from the editors of Cannabis Business Times and the team at Quest, this is How to Win a Cannabis Cultivation License, a new limited series that focuses on this integral process, a starting line for all of us in the industry. My name is Eric Sandy, and I'm the digital editor of Cannabis Business Times. We're pleased to bring you an in-depth look at the licensing process in the cannabis industry over 10 episodes as things stand in 2021. This is episode eight. Last week, we began sharing the story of Resonant Cultivation, a cannabis business located in a state not exactly short on licenses, Oklahoma. Again, as of early May 2021, the Oklahoma Medical Marijuana Authority, the OMMA, had issued 7,635 medical cannabis cultivation licenses for businesses to serve its 360,000 medical cannabis patients. Resident CFO Joe Hendricks explained how the team came together in the wake of the voter-approved medical cannabis question in the summer of 2018. Things move fast in this industry, and the startup culture of Oklahoma is no exception. It pays to be flexible. Here's Joe. The mantra that I've adopted over my timeline in this industry is expect the unexpected and the gut punches because they're coming. <laughs> and, and that's the biggest part of the pivot is when you know that those things are going to happen, you may not know what it is, but when it does, where that immediate reaction is not, oh no, and, and I'm stuck with paralysis and I don't know what to do. It's okay. What do we do to fix this? And, and what's the steps? So, you know, with our team, I view it as a highway. We each have our own lane. And, you know, we have our roles and responsibilities that come with our lane and, and each of those people are responsible to kind of, you know, not necessarily make the decision, um, but to have that decision be theirs, that, that they have some ownership of. Across this series, we've featured cannabis cultivation business teams at the management level and up who've recognized individuals' inherent talents. There's no doubt about it. Things are going to change in this industry and new obstacles will often come flying out of nowhere. Policy reforms, new market trends, public health crises, you name it. This is essentially a startup industry, emerging from the illicit markets and gray markets that created the foundational culture and economy of cannabis. One of the more visible themes in cannabis compliance is tracking and tracing, the seed-to-sale transparency that locks each plant into what is often a state-mandated system. Early on in Oklahoma, the state didn't have this in place. And as of this recording, it still doesn't. But Joe and his team know that it's coming. Oklahoma is bringing the metric system online now, with full implementation expected in the summer of 2021. Now, if you've been working in this space for almost three years, developing your own standard operating procedures and building a system that suits your needs, well, how do you adjust to that? Every license has to report your activity on a monthly basis. So for a cultivator, you know, number of plants you have, your harvest, you need your waste um, disposed in, in pounds, your sales, you know, um, transfers to processors, you know, what you sold to dispensaries and so on. And so that, that reporting has been completed. And I, and I often wonder, where does that go? This is the other side of the coin. Once you've won a cannabis cultivation license, how do you keep it? Oklahoma and its thousands of licensed operators are figuring that out now. We submitted it. It's almost like a, it's not through a system where you log in and you can find all your historic reports. It's just more of like an 
a form that you put everything in and then it goes somewhere. And I've never known where it goes, goes to, nor do we have any reason to, to wonder. I've just always thought, okay, where, you know, who, who's looking at this? Are there people that are actually analyzing these reports to see trends of, you know, if, if for, you know, potential black market activity or those who maybe aren't trying to, you know, completely identify with the rules. Um, and so that monthly reporting process has certainly been, been one thing, but I, I've noticed, and, and we've had a few examples where the OMA, um, especially kind of late last year, starting in about the summer of, of 2020 and started to, um, there were a few brands that were well-known and established themselves that got into some trouble of, you know, um, they had products that didn't pass testing that, they still sold and, and you know, there's, you know, there's a, a many sides to the story. And so you can, you know, take your own outcome of what you think from it. But it, it was good to see that the OMMA at least was making an active attempt to regulate the industry. Um, again, this is, you know, something that people are, are smoking or inhaling or eating in some capacity. And so I think it's important for the industry to maintain a, a good reputation and, and to be trusted by patients is, to have some form of regulation that can stop bad players when, they, when they're in the industry. And so there's certainly been um, that on the OMMA side of, of doing some, you know, of some shutdowns. I mean, of people you see that their license are revoked and, and basically, you know, assessed fines and penalties and, you know, they kind of shut some of these companies down. Um, the, um, you know, the area that, that I also, I think will be long-term is that, you know, the OMMA for, and I, I don't know this for a fact, but I would imagine that they're still playing catch up from all these licenses that they've issued um, over the past several years. And so it appears to me that they're at a point now with you know, starting the metric transition and some of these items that will uh, put them in a position to do more enforcement, more regulation, as opposed to just keeping up with the maintenance of the actual program itself. It's a process that forces licensed businesses and state regulators to get on the same page. The two groups need to be speaking the same language. In Oklahoma, the state was hoping to get its license holders synced up with metric in the spring of 2021, but it wasn't just a snap of the fingers. This takes time and the business community has its say in how that language is spoken as well. I do believe there are some disconnects, especially the biggest areas around testing and, and batches and sampling and how do you actually do that within metric when the Oklahoma rules are somewhat vague on how how you determine a testing batch for flour and I know for processors it's it can be an absolute nightmare um, for our processor friends out there that are listening you know they they have a whole different set of, of challenges that come with that so but the um, right before that it was supposed to come online I think it was maybe like April 28th um, there was some uh, kind of a civil suit filed um, on behalf of the industry, and and they were able to get um, a temporary hold on the implementation in a 60-day window. Um, so we're, you know, in day 27 or so of that 60-day um, window, and so I'll be curious to see, okay, do we get any more updates on, you know, metric implementation, especially around testing? I think that's the one big area that all of us are, have questions over is how do we you know, what's the right way to do batches now when you have OMMA rules that say one thing, but metric really looks at a different style of how you would um, test your product. And so um, that needs to be addressed. I mean, the state needs to come out with clear guidance on this. And I think there's some of it's also within our state legislature of updating some of the rules that I think they're trying to push through. So there's a little bit of a 
chicken or the egg here, but I, it needs to happen because, you know, in order for the industry to continue to thrive, we need clear sets of rules that we can understand and, and monitor and implement. The Quest 506 is the most efficient, high-capacity dehumidifier on the market that's specifically designed with growers in mind. Powered by patented coil technology that isn't available anywhere else, the Quest 506 is designed to work round the clock to optimize your grow environment with maximum energy efficiency and flexibility. Quest standalone units provide cultivators with the widest array of sizes and options, giving them the flexibility needed to customize and perfect humidity control in any grow room. Like all Quest products, the Quest 506 is made in the USA using the very best components and materials available. Learn more at questclimate.com. To manage the multiple languages inevitably spoken in this industry, it helps to have a varied suite of skill sets on your management team. In last week's episode, Joe talked about this idea, how Resonant formed out of the backgrounds of its four founders. Now, a few years into the work, those backgrounds help the team navigate any number of challenges that might come their way. In the matter of the business license itself, those are legion. We're spending most of this week's episode on compliance, tracking and tracing specifically, and this very important idea of license renewals, how to keep yourself in the game. You need to be prepared. Your team needs to be prepared. It allows that pivot where we have one point person who's running with it. So if it's a metric implementation, that's going to be my area, my wheelhouse of how do we kind of go through that. Or if it's something with, with the cultivation side, that would be with Thomas and Matt's decision or, or execution of strategy is kind of Reed's area and, and we pivot with, accordingly with that. And, you know, I think that our, our group has kind of allowed each, and, and it's a big trust factor, but it's kind of empowered each team member to, to, to make decisions, but also know the difference of when it's a team decision and when we need to, to make this together. And so that's allowed us that ability to be adaptable. Um, I think that the other fact is that all of us, you know, in, in some capacities were business owners or, or business leaders before this, it's allowed us that knowledge to know that yes, stuff happens, things come up. And most of the time things, there's, there's a possibility for things to go more wrong than more right. And so it allows us that ability to think on our feet, pivot, and to trust our decision-making and make the decision and move on. And, you know, cause it's with, I mean, as you know, with this industry, I mean, there's a lot of decisions and there's a lot of things that can go the other direction. So you just have to be prepared for it and trust your instinct when that time comes to make that decision. For a while in Oklahoma, as Joe has noted, licensed cultivators were submitting monthly reports to the state with no clear sense of who was reading this data. What conclusions were being drawn? In 2021, we're talking about metric and more formal track and trace systems for state-regulated cannabis markets. But in the interim, about a year into the medical cannabis program in Oklahoma, the state started knuckling down on the renewal process. New guardrails were thrown up to ensure that businesses passing into year two were equipped to work with the state and with the ballooning patient count. This sort of came out of nowhere, but again, this is the central point here. Businesses who'd come prepared were able to move with the state. As new requirements came online, teams pivoted. 
about early September of 2019, we were coming up to our first renewal and, you know, we're in the midst of our build out, um, you know, had a lot of things really going on. And, and so I got into the uh, portal to start the renewal process and was plugging along and then everything was going good until I, I saw this simple form called the certificate of compliance and thought that was an interesting uh, form. And so I, you know, downloaded it, clicked on it. And saw there was this whole plethora of additional information that you had to procure and basically get uh, sign-offs from you know your jurisdiction, uh, the city um, that you might be in, any any ordinances that that the city has has passed that you have to abide by, and especially the probably the one of the bigger ones was you had to get um, sign-off from uh, you know all the various contractors that that might be um, or inspectors that might be um, you know have a jurisdiction over your location. So for example, electric, plumbing, waste, environmental waste, wastewater. And, and so this, you know, for us became kind of something really top of mind. We built our building, you know, to code. And so it wasn't a huge worry, but we were in the middle of the build out. And so we were fortunate where, you know, we're, we're kind of subject to county jurisdictions. So we didn't have as much to go through and, and we're able to, um, you know, get all that satisfied in short form. But this became a huge issue for a lot of folks who were operating in maybe like Oklahoma City. Um, I'm aware, I think Tulsa also is one where then at the same time, you know, this form got passed and there really wasn't much, you know, guidance about it or really even notification that this was out there. And it wasn't until you renewed that you, you, it came to light. And so all of a sudden it sent all these operators who, you know, a lot of, many of which were actually operational at this time that they had to go interpret this form and then also go find inspectors and, and, and get people to come in, in a 30 day renewal period. So if you weren't aware of it, maybe you were you know, already a few days into your renewal period, you didn't have a lot of time to, to go through that. So I'm aware of several, um, you know, uh, groups that we work with that are in like the processing side or other grows that we have relationships with, but this caused a real significant issue where, you know, all of a sudden they were going months and months and months where they were trying to fight the renewal process or get the renewal process through while also just because of this one, you know, form that, that needed to be included with the renewal. So going through and, you know, making sure all your electric and, and plumbing and, and, and things that, you know, when, when everybody was opening up these shops, I'm sure there was some code involved, but a lot of them probably didn't actually have inspectors come through and actually do a, a full on inspection. So um, again, you know, we need to have, make sure that the industry is safe for employees and maybe other people and, and around our businesses. But it was just one of those, there wasn't a lot of guidance or even notification that this was out there. And then it really, you know, became a big, big challenge. Bear in mind, all of this was happening as the state was continuing to issue cannabis cultivation licenses. That means that even as your team is working with the state to stay in line and manage your compliance measures, new operators were joining the marketplace. Some of them may represent serious competition, whether in your region of the state or in your niche of the market. You've got to keep one eye on the internal side of the business, which includes compliance issues with the state and with local regulators, but you've got to keep the other eye facing the external situation, the market itself. And in Oklahoma, that's a big, big challenge in its own right. At a macro level, I believe competition is healthy for an industry. It allows and forces people to be innovative, to commit to quality, to make the right decisions, and to also continue to add credibility to the industry itself. The more competition we have, the better everything's going to be. 
And so we, I think as a team, we appreciate the competition here and the fact that there are a lot of really great companies and great other growers in Oklahoma that are, are producing great product. You know, our focus from day one has been, you know, this kind of the organic living soil model, uh, you know, ultra kind of craft, high quality, uh, not kind of this, you know, ultra scale type type process. So that that has allowed us to where, you know, not everybody went into that niche of the industry. And so it's a, probably a smaller pool of, of, you know, other growers in there. But the thing about it is like, you know, competition is one thing. We all want to have be successful and have sales and, and have people like our product. But the other side is it takes a, a kind of a, a group of like-minded companies like us and other growers that we have good relationships with to continue to rise up together and to, to help each other. Um, I know that um, our you know, head cultivator, Thomas, has some really good relationships with some other top growers where they're comparing notes and they're talking about strategies and maybe not giving all the secret sauce away, but they're trying to help each other to make the industry better. Um, there's plenty of demand. And, and so I think that that for us is something that, you know, there's enough for everybody to go around to be successful and to continue to operate their businesses. And ultimately it just makes us look better um, as a state that has a lot of eyeballs on us. I mean, here we are little old Oklahoma, you know, you know, fraction of the size of some of these other, you know, uh, successful states, but yet we're getting a lot of attention and a lot and, and attracting a lot of top talent from other states to move here um, just because of the competition. I think people enjoy that. And, and it's really been nice to see the industry come together on this. So given all of that, the work with the state, the work in the market, what has the resident cultivation team learned so far? There's much work to be done in the future, but three years in the cannabis space is nearly a lifetime elsewhere. Every now and then, it's vital to step back and take stock of where you've been. So what would Joe tell a smart, driven entrepreneur interested in getting into this space now in 2021? You know, I think that probably the biggest thing, the lesson I've learned on this is that one, um, stay on your feet. You know, it's easy to get knocked down. Um, you know, I, I joke with people, more things go wrong in this industry than go right on a daily basis. And so learn how to just hold your ground and kind of fight through those wins when they come because they will be there. And, and so just that kind of commitment to persistence and give yourself a gut check before you go make a large investment or raise capital or, or bring in partners, you know, to make sure, do you want to do this? There's that key word again, vision. It's something we've returned to again and again in this series. The passion for the plant, the patient, the consumer, the innovative technologies. It's important to have that in mind when deciding to get into the space. It takes time. I mean, if you think about it, it's a plant that you grow and they're living 24 seven plants are alive and they, they need, they need care. And so I think that's the, the other side is kind of having that passion for the plant and then surround yourself with a team of people who want to help and who you trust it, you know, just launching a cultivation side, not even talking about the full vertical requires so many other, you know, kind of non growing functions, whether it be, you know, sales and, and market strategy or accounting compliance or, you know, managing a team and building a culture around your, your company. I mean, all those things, you know, it's hard for one person to do all that. I do know some that are kind of in that role and they, and, and I admire them immensely that they can do it all as one. But for us, it's allowed, I think our quality to be that much better because our team knows and our cultivators know that they, we have their back and we've got a team of people in place to make sure that all the other little things are being done 
So all they have to focus on is quality care of the plants and to be adaptable. Um, again, just understand that you're going to have to pivot. Things go wrong. Things will change. Rules change. People change. Environments change. And you got to continue to just kind of fight through and maintain that persistent mentality to um, kind of define your own success. If you're interested in learning more about the licensing process and you're listening to this series as it's released, join us at Cannabis Conference 2021 in Las Vegas. The show runs from August 24th to the 26th, and an all-access pass gets you into our Create a Winning License Application session. Securing a cannabis business license is one of the most critical and perhaps one of the most daunting first steps in launching a business in this increasingly complex and competitive industry. Make your application stand out from the crowd with takeaways from this can't-miss session for any new or expanding business. We've got two more episodes coming your way in this series, where we'll pick up the thread on this tangled licensing process and offer plenty of advice for anyone interested in following along. In the meantime, though, we're all ears at Cannabis Business Times. Is there something you want to hear in a future series? Is there a story that you think sheds light on the licensing landscape in the U.S.? Send me an email anytime. I am at esandy at gie.net. GIE is our publishing company. Or reach out on Twitter at CBTMag. We're here to serve the market. My name is Eric Sandy, and I'm the digital editor of Cannabis Business Times. Our sound editors are Alexander Garrett and Jay Boyden, and this series is brought to you by Quest.